Alternative Affairs is brought to you by Triple Crest Productions. These guys offer a full range of audio production services to assist you and your company's needs. If you're a podcaster, a musician, or have any other audio service needs, you're going to want to get in touch with these guys. They make all the magic happen for us here at Alternative Affairs. They offer custom songwriting, audio recording, album production, publishing, and even offer hosting services. So you want to visit them online at triplecrestproductions.com or give them a call or even send them a text at 772-22-CREST. Again, that's 772-22-CREST. So what does alternative music mean to you? What does it mean to be alternative today versus what it was, say, about 20 years ago, back in the days of grunge, rock, emo, and industrial alternative music? On today's episode, we're going to be reminiscing about the days of old with Soundgarden, Alice in Chains, Pearl Jam, Nirvana, Stone Temple Pilots, and so many more of our favorites of our youth. And we're going to go ahead and talk about what is transforming alternative music. Are all genres of music evolving, which kind of lends itself to produce a different style as we've seen in years past? If you think about it, aren't we hearing the sounds of Bowie, the Smiths, and even Devo and Queen? It's almost as if we've warped back in the 70s and 80s and we're revisiting the sounds that we've long revered as classic. It seems 80s pop has transcended into our new alternative sound. Is this because of the evolution of pop music? We're evolving the sounds into a new alternative with electronic alternative with Missio and Churches, mellow new age sounds of Cigarettes After Sex, the pop rock and sounds of Echo Smith, 30 Seconds to Mars, The Unlikely Candidates, and so many more. While some of our favorites are still around today, like Alice in Chains, Foo Fighters, Sublime, and even Offspring, there is certainly a new vibe to today's alternative sound. We see it, we feel it. We know it's there. On this episode, we're going to be talking about alternative music from rock and grunge to pop electronic and contemporary alternative music and what it's meant to us and how we've seen it evolve to today's sound. Today's podcast is strictly based off of our own personal bias and opinions. Although we will be presenting cited facts, we are in no way professional music critics, nor do we even try to play one on the airwaves. I'm your host, Jason. And you're listening to Alternative Affairs. Hey everyone, that's right. You are listening to Alternative Affairs. We are finally here. We are on the airwaves. I am very excited to finally be bringing you the best in alternative rock talk, news, and interviews. We've got a hell of a season lined up for y'all. Now, I want to go ahead and welcome my good friend, my co-host for today's show. This guy definitely knows his music. Everyone, please welcome my good friend, Mr. Sam Holcomb. Hey, thanks, Jason. I'm really uh, excited to be part of Alternative Affairs. I know this podcast is really going to do some big things coming up in the alternative world. Um, Our first show, obviously, rightfully so, is going to be dedicated to the evolution of alternative rock. Sounds that you and me kind of grew up with, we learned to love over the the generation. Um, From emo to grunge to synth pop to Brit pop, funk, punk. Um, Then how it comes full circle around to to where it is today. So I want everybody to sit back, relax, open up your ear holes, and join us on this journey of reliving our youth and onwards. You're listening to Alternative Fairs, and this is Episode 1, New Beginnings. All right, so one of the first things that I've really been interested in is understanding what people's own perception of alternative rock music is. So, Sam, I want to start off our conversation with talking about your own personal definition of what alternative music is and why you think that is. Well, alternative music has such a broad spectrum of what can be an alternative. For me, it's something that doesn't fit into that natural norms of cultural society Um, it's got a different sound than rock but it's got a different sound of pop too okay all right so i'm gonna go ahead and and reference my favorite internet resource and i think it's yours too wikipedia 
We love Wikipedia. <laughs> of course. Uh, let's go ahead and read off the definition here. And I think it's actually pretty good. So I'm going to read this here from Wikipedia. Alternative rock, also called alternative music, alt-rock, or simply alternative, as we all call it, is a style of rock music that emerged from the independent music underground of the 1980s and became widely popular throughout the 1990s. In this instance, the word alternative refers to the genre's distinction from mainstream rock music. The term's original meaning was broader, referring to a generation of musicians unified by their collective debt to either the musical style or simply the independent DIY ethos of punk rock, which in the late 1970s laid the groundwork of alternative music. And at times, alternative music has been used as a catch-all description for music from underground rock artists that receive mainstream recognition or for any music, whether rock or not, that is seen as the disconnected from punk rock, including some examples of punk itself, as well as new wave and post-punk. Alternative rock is a broad umbrella term consisting of music that differs generally in terms of the sound, social context, and regional roots. So that's really interesting, right? I think that that definition in its own just seems to kind of warrant this. Uh, you know, I think a lot of eyebrows kind of got raised right there because, you know, let, let's think about it, right? Let's take it back into the 80s, the 90s. We had what? We had college radio, airplay. We had a lot of local bands. We had great bands coming out of some great areas, namely out of Seattle, right? We had mm -hmm. the, the birthplace, which I consider the birthplace of, of alternative, maybe of our generation. Um, yes. But we have a lot of great sound coming from that 70s and 80s from the punk uh, era. And then we had the college radio airplay, the word of mouth that started getting these localized bands out there. And it's just it, I, to me, it's just really interesting to kind of see how where where that genre of music first came up from. Where So let, let, let's talk about a couple of the bands. So let's talk mm -hmm. about here's a couple we're going to throw out to you. The Pixies. Right. Depeche. Yep. Depeche Mode. Okay. And how about The Cure? The Cure is another one. And I think all of these were pulling from the roots and, and all that. And I think it, it really stems from Gen X because Gen X was the age of the, the emo, you know, uh, woe is me, man, you know? Mm -hmm. And it's so <laughs> crazy how then that evolved into what I refer to as that 1988 to 1992. You know, somebody that was that was coming of age around then, uh, you know, as we refer to ourselves as maybe the Xenials, you know, we like to refer to ourselves as Gen X, but we're not quite Gen X as per the, you know, I'm using air quotes here, definition or, or uh, you know, the dictionary meaning. The Wikipedia. Of Gen X. The Wikipedia, <laughs> the definition, Wikipedia of, definition of Gen X. Yeah, but you know what? We still grew, I mean, we, we weren't really coming of age when the cure and the smiths and all them were really hot you know but we knew about them that's where a lot of these bands that came out in the 90s and and kind of created that birth of alternative music so we have an urban dictionary definition and i and i like this dictionary meaning because of the fact that it has more color to it and 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 i think with anything as an artist wants to do is is add color of some sort right it could be it could be dark grays or it could be blues or it could be blacks but it, it has some type of color to it so let me read this here from urban dictionary a less intense version of rock and a more intense version of pop typically strays from generic lyrics of pop lots of subcategories we know that and we're going to talk about that but the main two are alternative rock and alternative pop and we see a very clear, so Sam, we see a very clear distinction of alternative rock and alternative pop thinking of, let, let's, let's put two years out there, 1990 and 2010. Do you agree? Yes, I do agree. Okay. So let's name a band from the 1990s. We have Nirvana, right? We have, yep. And then who do, who do we have from the later years? So we could probably say someone like uh, Echo Smith. And I'm the, they're newer. They're way newer, right? I would have to say 2015, yeah. 16. 2015, 16. Yeah, but but talk about, you know, pop, right? I mean, that's definitely got a poppy sound to it. Um, 30 Seconds to Mars, right? I mean, they're they're rocking, but they've still got they're that rock, pop They're rock, but there's an alternative sound to it, yeah. Right. 
So today we're going to be what we're going to do is we're going to dig a little bit deeper into the roots of alternative music. We're going to we're going to break down a little bit of uh, the history of how alternative music has started, and again, kind of referencing you know, Pixies, Depeche Mode, the Cure, the, the Cure, uh, the Smiths, and then how it evolved through the '90s, really, as as most of us would refer to as the birth of alternative rock music, uh, or as some of us would refer to as uh, the Nirvana era, um, where we saw some great artists such as Pearl Jam, Stone Temple Pilots. Alice in Chains and Red Hot Chili Peppers. Uh, then we're going to be talking about the turn of the century, you know, and I think that was really in Sam, you actually put down here something really interesting, which was, it was kind of a shift. It was a shift in how music kind of changed. It was that, uh, what did you refer to it as? Kind of that post Nirvana era. The post Nirvana era. The, the post Nirvana era where alternative music has that name and it still does today, but the genre itself is evolving to the to affix to the generations that are listening to, to today um and that that 2009 you know 1999 to 2003 or so was kind of a transition period or a shift um from that post nirvana era where we grew up with our alternative to the alternative that it is today yeah and i think we've saw we've seen some really great bands come of age you know around you know, between 2000, 2005 as well. So we're going to talk about that turn of the century almost. And it's, you know, Sam, it's actually kind of funny how we can actually say that turn yeah. of the century. It's weird. Um, so let's dig a little bit deeper. Let's go. Let's take a trip back into our youth. Let's 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 uh, let's become little kids again. Become little Jason and Sam. Yeah. Let's get our flannel shirts on and listen to some Nirvana. <laughs> Sitting on the corner around the, the, the corner with uh, stolen cigarettes. Yeah, yeah. yeah with a, a tube TV and MTVs on. Yes. Back when MTV was actually MTV. They, they actually oh played God. music back then. I don't know. Not too can, many people know that, but yeah. Can you believe that? So let's talk about the 1980s where, uh, you know, this genre kind of took its form. So uh, we have a note here. By 1984, a majority of groups signed to independent rock labels, right? So record labels. Um. They kind of mined from a variety of rock, and particularly like 60s, 70s influenced rock. And then, it, you know, then there was that rebellious, there's that Sex Pistols, like we were talking about earlier, where it's more mm -hmm. that rebellious sound. And we saw that kind of come of age in the late 80s. And again, I'm referencing, uh, you know, the Pixies is actually a really good sound. You know, I actually just saw them in concert the other day, and they were awesome. And to know that they're still relevant, which is amazing as well, you know, a band that could stick around for 20, 30 plus years is pretty, pretty fucking amazing. Throughout the, the 80s, alternative rock remained mainly an underground phenomenon. Why do you think that was? Well, I think that was just the way that society at, at that time would take music. And you have things like rock that would have their own mainstream genre and pop. But there's still that niche that had punk involved in there and the alternative rock that had a very small, you know, listening party to it. Okay. These, 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 these bands weren't getting... The high uh, promotion that the other bands like say metallica that was 80s um mm -hmm. you know they're getting the giant you know studio production these guys are recording in basements and playing coffee shops that you know maybe said 200 people well it was such a it was a it was such an opposite side of the paradigm at the time because in the 80s you know if you weren't this hard rock and you know hair band you know, heavy metal, rock, and you know, I mean, again, look at the birth of uh, of rock and roll itself back in the fifties and sixties, and how you know the lead guitar became a thing, you know, in the seventies, and then how in the eighties, you know, of course, the long hair and the 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 flailing rock sounds with the heavy bass and the heavy drum riffs and everything else like that. So if you weren't doing that, you were you were going against the grain. So you yep. you were quite literally alternative. You were mm -hmm. this alternative sound from what was hot, right? Right. So I think I, I really enjoy some of the ways that we've seen it. And, and it's so blurred. And to me, it's blurred. So when we came out of the 80s and we started the 90s, bam, there's Nirvana, Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then we just pulled up a list of number one hits from the early 90s. And Give It Away came up in 1991. I think we start feeling old at that point, right? <laughs> that's, yeah, that's the point where we start feeling old. They're like, they're still out there doing tours. They are. Holy shit. They're still good friends and they're still together yep. and they're still doing tours and Flea's still crazy as shit. Yep. 
All right. So let's talk about that era, right? So we had the 90s and it really was a change of a decade. And I think, you know, the 80s, bam, 1990 hit. There was a lot of political things going on. There were a lot of um, there was this coming of age type of thing going on. You know, the Gen Xers were starting to come of age. And then you had this new Xenials generation. And again, you know, as I mentioned in the introduction, you know, what is the sound of our generation? What, what, what do you think our sound of the generation is? We're going to talk a lot about Nirvana, and I, I do apologize <laughs> right off the bat because I think that that's where a lot of the alternative for our generation, my generation, started off of. Like when okay. we throw out that fact about Red Hot Chili Peppers, I, I love Red Hot Chili Peppers, but I didn't really realize that their major hit was in 91 because at that time, you know, we were so fixated on Nirvana and what is this new sound that's coming out. You know, some other bands that I that I notably re, very clearly remember is Pearl Jam and Stone Temple Pilots. I mean, those guys, mm-hmm. I could remember sitting with friends, hanging out and uh, and just chilling out to some Pearl Jam and listening to that. Uh, what was the CD 10? I think it was. And it was amazing, you know, and Stone Temple Pilots. I'm like, Scott Weiland, man, it was and it quite literally was still that sex, drugs and rock and roll type of feel mm-hmm. that you know, we knew our parents knew back in the 60s and 70s, but brought around to our generation. Oh, they were. Yeah, it was totally, uh, you know, it kind of pulled us in like a hook, right? Pulled us into uh, this new sound. Now we have a way to kind of disconnect. And and of course, you know, we, we were a bunch of angsty emo kids that, you know, some of us were, were raised well, some of us really weren't raised as you know, great. A lot of us were out on the streets. A lot of us were just doing whatever we wanted to do. And uh, I grew up on the, uh, you know, on the streets right outside Chicago. Um, you know, nothing too tough. It was the suburbs, but depends on what part of Chicago. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, but I, I, I clearly remember just, you know, chilling with the, the, the windows down and the hair blowing out and just jamming out to, you know, smells like teen spirit, you know, was, mm-hmm. you know, a good memory there. And Stone Temple Pilots and, and Pearl Jam, I think just those three bands and Red Hot Chili Peppers, I'm going to throw in there, really just stick in my mind as kind of being that that coming of age story for, I think, mm-hmm. most of us. Right. Yeah. Right. Again, that, that first taste of as a country or as just, you know, a music fan, that's that first taste of alternative music. You know, let's talk about it. So let's 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 flip a coin right, real quick. So let's talk about some other bands that came around in the early 90s that, you know, kind of lended itself to some of the newer sounds that we're going to talk about here in just a little bit. R.E.M. Oh, yeah. All right. Right. Yep. So very chill, you know, you know, there wasn't a lot, a whole lot of headbanging with R.E.M. songs. It was kind of very storytelling, you know, some songs had a folky song to it. And some of them had a very sometime, you know, very chill. Pulling from everything there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, You know, and the feelies and the violent femmes, uh, again, pulling from folk music and the punk influences Mm -hmm. from possibly the, you know from the 80s i think it was pretty yeah. cool as well yep. so we saw you know that alternative music kind of has its root with independent artists and independent rock all of a sudden the 90s hit and you got these bands that we mentioned just a little bit ago and and what did they do they they the the more larger record labels so let's talk about you know we had uh rca and we had universal and and others that all at mgm they all had record labels that started hearing this and they're like, you know, this, this could be something, you know, let's get them out there. Right. Let's start making some money off these guys. So all of a sudden this underground independent way of living this life that I think they thought was all they had started getting some light. You know, there mm-hmm. was a lot of light to a lot of darkness because there was a lot of dark songs back then. You know, oh, there yeah. was a light there and holy crap, man, radio just blew up. We're seeing tapes and cds flying out and you know now we're able to play this rock and music in our cars and and it was just awesome and i and i think that goes to show like the bands that we mentioned right sam um yeah those aren't the only guys that were around then you know so so explain that to me actually because you mentioned this earlier so i want you to talk about it you mentioned about how nirvana was kind of that band that pulled us out of that 
independent underground era? Well, you have Nirvana, like we look at it and they kind of broke out and brought us into this era where they're now signed with a major label. They now have the capacity to be played on MTV. You know, you have Nevermind playing right away and paying, selling 4,000, or sorry, 400,000 copies in the first week to now having record labels looking out and looking for like Red Hot Chili Peppers and Jane's Addictions to sign them to major contracts on that side of it. Really created like a blueprint of what an alternative rock artist, you know, was to aspire to be, right? Yeah, it's, you know, just the music industry as it is. You start out, you want to get your foot in the door and get to the point where you're on a big contract. You're doing tours, you're, you know, selling CDs, hitting the list as soon as they come out, which is, you know, kind of changed the way that alternative music is. But back then, if you could just get the airspace, you're making it golden. So we're going to take a break right now, and when we return, we're going to talk about our first time when Sam and mine's uh, alternative rock cherries were popped as we lads. Uh, So don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. It's time for your fan fan affair. This fan experience comes from Sarah of Tampa, Florida. I was about 12 years old when I first heard Led Zeppelin's Stairway to Heaven. From that moment on, my heart knew it loved music. I felt in awe of the symphonic nature of this epic song, and my heart just dropped from the change in melodies. Around the same age, one of the first albums I ever bought was Bush's 16 Stone. Glycerine played, and I knew I was even more in love with music. I remember when I had that song on repeat, and it was just radiating through my soul. The lyrics, must be your skin that I'm sinking in, must be for real, cause now I can feel truly made me think all of me was living the song that was being sung to me through the speakers of my boombox. I felt like they were truly singing to me. I fell in love once when I was very young. The feeling was all-encompassing. He was my entire world, and I felt like I wanted to sink in his skin, become one with him. My heartbeat was as strong as the guitar that was thumping through my ears. The fulfillment that song gave me was like being with him even when we couldn't be together. As I grew older, that song resonated with me even more, and I knew I would feel love like that again one day. I've since found that with my husband, and we still love listening to that song and feeling like we're young again. Although we weren't together, nor even knew each other then, our souls were always meant for one another. We live in a wheel where everyone steals, but when we rise, it's like strawberry fields. He makes me feel so happy. It makes me feel like I'm in strawberry fields, even though we live in a world of imperfection. This is my happy spot. Music has always shown me where and how I want to be. It makes me feel complete, and I love to enjoy that with the love of my life. I will never forget the music as it has become my compass. Dude, always rocking, man. I really appreciate it. Uh, I think this is really cool, you know, and I think we have a lot of listeners out there that are, that, that are feeling us. They're, they're hearing it. They kind of have the same, you know, and it's really cool. Some people don't even know the roots of alternative music. So one of the things I want to talk about is our first experiences of alternative music. And I was kind of, I was kind of leading into it before we took the break here. But so tell me, man, I mean, tell me a little bit more about your first experience into alternative rock music. All right. So, you know, my first taste of alternative music, um, give you a little bit of backstory. You know, I live in Wisconsin, grew up in a little town just north of Madison, um, a lot of great music out of there. But my first taste was early 90s, sitting on the couch with my mom, watching MTV and actually having music on MTV, the unplugged Nirvana session. Seeing this you know, straggly little guy with blonde hair down to his neck, not the normal sound that we were hearing off of the rock or the pop that we were, you know, originally had. That was that first taste of that kind of more gritty music that I've slowly kind of revolved my life around now. Yeah, that's an awesome. I mean, and and that was an awesome unplugged. You know, and I think it kind of blew me away because I think that was the first time that I saw a band. And I guess I, you know, I was, you know, I think we were pretty young and impressionable at the time. But I think we were looking at it like, whoa, what is like, how are they doing that? That's awesome. Like, it was the first time I saw an acoustic set of, you know, this band that all I know is, you know, smells like teen spirit. Right. I mean, that's the Mm -hmm. that's the song at the time. That's the you know, that's the hit. Right. And you're 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 hearing this rocking band and then all of a sudden they're playing this mellow acoustic version with bongo drums and acoustic guitars. And I just thought. I was blown away as well. So I'm, 
I, I could certainly uh, empathize with your story there, man. Yes. You know, my, my first story, I, I don't really have one. And I, and I have to be honest about that. Um, because you didn't, you didn't have an epiphany like everybody else did. Yeah. <laughs> I think it speaks to the generation. I think it speaks to the generation and the genre of music is that it just snuck up on us. It, it didn't hit us like a ton of bricks. It was always kind of there, but it just wasn't as mainstream. You know, I mean, we knew about the Smiths and we knew about the Cure and we knew about U2 and we knew about, you know, these other bands. And then as the, as the 90s progressed, you know, all I knew was all I was listening to was Q101 right outside Chicago. It was one of my favorite rock stations uh, growing up. And I remember listening to Pearl Jam and I remember listening to it on a brand new shiny CD. And it was so cool. It was such a new thing, you know? So for me, like music was such a new thing because it was on, you know, CDs now. And if you heard it on, on CD, it was like state of the art at that time. You know, you weren't listening to eight tracks or, or tape cassettes anymore. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and I, and, and and I have to say, you know, with my best friend, um, uh, at the time, you know, we, we would sit in his house, um, and we would make mixtapes and then we would, we would play it off like we, we like we were radio DJs. So it's kind of fun. And we would like sit there and go, and you're now listening to Pearl Jam. Unsa-, you know, of course I had this like little childish voice and everything. But- <laughs> I mean, I, that that's what brought it out for us. Right. I mean, we would just listen to this music and it was fun and it was jamming. It was rocking, but it was still that, you know, man, they're really talking about us. I mean, they're talking about our problems. Mm-hmm. They're talking about us. Just, you know, the breakups and the, the sorrows of, uh, you know, mom or dad walked out and, you know, it just all of a sudden it started clicking with us. It was so crazy, you know, and, and, and of course, I'm sure our parents and, and even our grandparents could even say the same thing about oh, yeah. the music of, of the yesteryear, you know, but man, it just seemed to connect with us. And all of a sudden we were kind of feeling like we were. You know, and I and I kind of like bringing it back to like the hips, you know, the hippie days. You know, I kind of feel like jumping in a, a Volkswagen Beagle, uh, Beetle bus, and traveling across country <laughs> just to go see that band, of course. Or yeah, just to go see the band or tour with the band. I remember right. that was like that was the you know, of course, the '80s was all hair, right? Oh, yeah. Remember all yeah. the girls with the hair, and yeah. of course, that was the era of the groupie. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, they would follow the band everywhere and do things they shouldn't be doing in the bus. Yeah. Just follow the bus everywhere. (laughs) I still want to do that. Oh man. You know, I've attended so many live concerts lately, uh, that I I'm just blown away. I've never, you know, I've not never been able to attend this many live concerts and obviously being older and, and obviously a little bit more financially secure and things like that, Mm -hmm. that I'm able to actually take my family out and go and see concerts and live what I couldn't live back when I was, you know, 12, exactly. 14 years old, you know, I, I remember, you know, back in the day sitting there working an entire summer just to go to one show. Oh, really? And that was, oh yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd work all summer. We, we did a lot of shows and this is an alternative side of it, but I remember working all summer one year for corn tickets, corn tickets. Oh yeah. All right. corn. Of course, of course. But now it's like, yeah, I feel the same boat as you. It's like, you know what? I can do all the stuff that I wanted to do when I was in high school or even younger, you know? So one of the things I want to talk about is is uh, something we alluded to early on in the episode. We talked about the shift. We talked about an era that you like to refer to as the post Nirvana era. So that leads us into the late, the mid to late nineties, and we saw a lot of great artists kind of come to uh, kind of come to light. You know, um, as we progress towards the turn of the century, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of those is like Blink-182 was right around. They hit number one with all the small things in 1999. And you had some other really great bands. And I think uh, you still had Pearl Jam, of course. They led led us through the 90s. You had um, Red Hot Chili Peppers that led us through the 90s. We had The Offspring. We had Filter. We had a bunch of really cool bands. Uh, Fuel was Fuel. one that came out. Yep. later in the 90s but but they were out there so give give our listeners a little bit more of your take on the post nirvana the shift in alternative music well like we were kind of talking about earlier is you know alternative music is a fluid genre Um, you know we had that major boom in the early 90s nirvana green day they all bursted onto the scene and now got 
um, alternative music to be mainstream. This day and age in that, you know, 90s to 2000 era, the later 90s, sorry, you know, Kurt Cobain had just died. There were lawsuits that were out there with the major companies like Ticketmaster that were, you know, looking down on some of those alternative bands uh, like Pearl Jam. Um, it kind of faded. Grunge music, they, that punk kind of faded, but you still had some of the bands that were still around like Radiohead that were able to kind of break that next generation barrier. One band that I, I love using an example with, Green Day. They started in the early 80s. They made it through the 90s and they changed their sound to that new generation after the 2000s. Yeah, I think one of the things that we saw is something that almost derailed. And I don't want to. I don't want to use the term derailed because I think I almost want to instinctually. I guess because I feel like that. You know, I guess maybe that's just my fifty thousand foot. You know, view on it. But you know, deep down, you know, of course, the music was there. It was alive. It was well. You know, but if you pull up, you know, the top hits of two thousand, right? Mm -hmm. You have a lot of a lot of hip hop. And you have a lot of pop and dance music that are coming out. You you got Justin Timberlake coming out. You got Timbaland and uh, all these other, you know, pop rock artists, not pop rock, but uh, poppy um, and hip hop artists that are kind of becoming this huge thing. It was like the dawn of, of the pop artist, really, because, I mean, we had 80s, we had Madonna and we had all that. Yeah. But this was kind of the, this was like, dance and hip hop and a new it, it it almost seemed like it was it was on the ebb and the flow right so we have the we we had a little bit of a uh of an ebb and flow with with alternative music and as the turn of the century kind of started hitting us we started seeing a, a degradation of popularity we started seeing more of a popularity in the dance music and the dance pop that that obviously started taking hold with black eyed peas and 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 those bands yeah kind of like so uh, alternative took a backseat there for a little bit it seemed like it right i mean we did see you know and i guess some of the roots right for brit pop you know seemed to take a backseat we definitely didn't see any you saw Morrissey kind of try and do his own thing after the Smiths uh, kind of separated and he tried to do his own thing. It was very short lived. Uh, and then you see some other artists that are trying to come in and then you kind of saw bands like U2, Epic, mm -hmm. right? I mean, they're huge, yeah. but they were, they lived in their own world. Yeah. You know what I mean? They were just, they were over there and then you had the underground feel of the alternative still kind of residing residually i guess over here and i'm using gestures i know you guys can't see me but i'm using gestures uh <laughs> of alternative lying here and meanwhile you've got this spike of this pop alternative or, or excuse me the pop dance hits and uh, and hip-hop and everything kind of taking hold for a while and then we started seeing the turn of the century come in kind of a resurgence it, it did a little bit you know and then it was good even parallel mixture behind this dance pop and then you had this new resurgence of alternative that started coming in and that started progressing. And then it evolved even further to combine pop, which now we had this new way of enjoying alternative pop yes. music. And then we had electronic alternative and now we have, and now it almost seemed like around that turn of the century that, uh, that adult contemporary style seemed to kind of take hold a little bit, you know, uh, as far as what, people knew of as alternative Correct, right yeah and it, it, if it wasn't that it was it was a stronger sound right so it was a lincoln park yeah. it was a corn yeah. it was a limp biscuit right well it's it's falling into that genre that now that we're adults we have that adult adult alternative when we were kids the adult alternative was what our parents listened to <laughs> of course right yeah so of yeah, course we no, were listening to that no, but yeah coming now you know coming yeah. coming into that 21st century it's kind of like all these genres had their own spot you know you had pop in there with the new kids on the block and then you all of a sudden come in um to the grunge and the punk and you know alternative music starting to get its own foothold but now you look into the 21st century you have like you were saying those bands that are coming through but all the other genres like new metal like you mentioned corn you know they're falling into new metal that's a metal that wasn't even listened to when we were you know kids at that point so check out some of the number one hits from the late 90s again approaching that turn of the century um you know as we were seeing at chumba wumba with tub thumping Ooh. 
1997, uh, we had Everclear. I saw them in concert in Hilton Head Island in South Carolina, and I got to see them at a little club called uh, Monkey Business, and it was it was awesome. These guys were yeah, good. Yeah. Uh, and that was 2004, I think it was. Okay. You know, so 97, and then we had Goo Goo Dolls, Iris, 98. I uh, got into an, a car accident while listening to that song. I will never forget it. The car flipped over. Oh, my God. <laughs> and landed in a ditch. We were upside down in water. I somehow managed to crawl out, and uh, my girlfriend was sitting in the back seat somehow. People stopped and pulled the car up. It was so crazy. I'll never forget that. So there's my story for Goo Goo Dolls, Iris, 1990. Uh, yeah, that was 98 okay. when it was okay. big. <laughs> Uh, what what else? Oh, here's a good one. Sugar no, Ray, 1999. Smash, yeah, Smash Mouth was so, in there too in 99. Are we not seeing just a natural, like, look, at, listen to these. You're hearing these songs in your head, right? You're hearing me list them. And, and you're hearing this progression, this different sound to how Alternative mm-hmm. became, right? Um, and then, like I said, you know, you did have some of the rock, you know, that was in there. We had Creed and, and Limp Bizkit. Uh, and, of course, Blink-182 came in 1999 into 2000. They spent eight weeks at number one with all the small things. They were the number one artist that brought us into the 21st century with alternative music. Can you believe it? We owe it all to Blink-182 for bringing us in, bringing alternative music Dancing into the 21st century. Dancing that middle school dances to that song, I never thought that we'd actually utter those words. <laughs> but yeah, we're here, we, here we are. All the <laughs> small things. <laughs> here we are. Oh my goodness. You know, so one of our favorite bands, uh, mine and yours, that really made it big was around 2004 was Blue October. They obviously hit the 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 scene really hard mm-hmm. with their album Foiled. Uh, their multi-platinum hits, uh, Into the Ocean and Hate Me. And again, it's about depression and angsty and emo-y. And so to me, you know, combining them with other bands that came out and and they kind of seem to stay true to the form, but if you look at their albums that were that came up before Foiled, mm-hmm. you know you didn't hear anything about them because they were really, again, they were kind of stifled a little bit, and yet they stayed true to that alternative, you know, that emo angsty type of songwriting. And then they came out with this rock and song, Hate Me, and became really big. And of course, they had some success uh, from there. As we progress through the 21st century, we we've seen this. Even to me, and I don't know about you, Sam, but to me, I've seen a greater evolution of alternative music since the 2000s. And I'm even going to go as far as uh, dramatically, if you were to look at it on a graph chart, there would be a spike right at about Mm -hmm. 2010 and beyond. Um, We see a huge change in how alternative music is today, right? Sitting at number one right now is Broken by Lovely the Band. So I don't know if you've had a chance to listen to these guys live. They're really cool. Uh, I actually saw them play with Blocktober in Orlando uh, this past year, and it was a lot of fun. And, you know, but again, they're bringing that early 2000s angsty emo-y type of sound. Uh, But then you got the dance. So sitting at number two right now is Say Amen by Panic at the Disco. So talk about that completely different sound. Dun, dun, yeah. dun, dun, dun. You know, it's it's that poppy mm-hmm. dance. Yeah, completely, right? And you just and you could sense just in those two, and then we got another one, Sir Sly, right? And then you've got another one here, number four, whatever it takes. And again, we are uh we are sitting here and and and, I'm, and I know that this podcast is being uh, aired much later on, but we're sitting here on June twenty-fifth of two thousand eighteen, and I'm letting you know what's what's hot right now because I think it's relevant. We see this broken down difference within alternative music staring at us right here on yeah. the top five in the charts, right? With Imagine Dragons sitting at number four, again, a different sound of alternative. So right. you've got these different sounds. Another really crazy sound sat number one for several weeks on Alt Nation which was Middle Fingers uh, by uh, Missio. Bottom of the Deep Blue Sea sat at number one for, for several weeks on Alt Nation. 
you know, again, a much different alternative sound. And they're bringing EDM into the alternative scene, right? And got, mixing that genre right now. Yeah, exactly. So has the way that the music industry has evolved, has it changed the, the definition of alternative for you? I think so. Because, um, you know, if you look at that original definition that we kind of looked at at the beginning of the podcast is that underground, that independent, the way that right now alternative music is widely accepted. Um, we have radio stations that are out there now have, you know, a top 44 alternative music that's uh, readily accessible. But it's still going to be pulling from those genres that were from the later years or the, the early alternative sound to now. Changed maybe how we look at the definition of how alternative music sounds not how much the lifestyle is as what much of it was before so what do you think the definition of new alternative is today i think the new definition of alternative it's still going to fall into that old you know definition that we went with it's not pop it's not rock it's not edm it's not falling into one of those genres itself alternative music kind of samples from those genres and makes it their their own but yet still has that social impact that most of the other music doesn't have yeah right we're now. almost seeing uh with, with some of these bands bringing back some of their roots of when they were younger and and the roots of where music has become you know as it evolved through the 80s and even back in the 70s i mean we're starting to see a lot of bands actually bringing that back so we see uh, there's a band actually I just heard on Music Choice the other day as I was uh, working. Uh, it was uh, like a week or two ago, and I turned to my wife and I said, "Man, they sound a lot like Queen." And she's she's mm-hmm. a huge classic rock fan, so she sat back and we we all love Queen. And she sat back and she's like, "Holy shit, you're right!" Like, wow. I mean, yep. it's it's no Freddie Mercury, but it, he's he was still very live and lively and vibrant, and the music was very you know high treble, um, clingy, you know, ting 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 kind of kind of alternative rock and sound. But it still had that, and I and I actually believe he was uh, British, if I'm not mistaken. So they had that similarity. Uh, but you know, again, bringing that sound back, and then we have bands like iron tom out there right iron tom mm-hmm. just seems like they're kind of they sound like they're bringing that 60s rock vibe back you know i don't had a conversation with with harry from iron tom uh in an upcoming episode we're going to be airing here soon and one of those uh in one of our conversations we were talking about how i was joking with him and i told him that you know you actually remind me of of uh led zeppelin like you kind of kind of remind me of Robert oh, yeah. Plant a little yeah, bit, you do. know. And I'm like, listen, they do. yeah. I, so he's got that that uh, you know that that higher pitched and and very melodic, but a very yeah. higher pitched. And you got the great guitar playing, and again, very mm-hmm. tra- you know. And I don't want to use traditional, but very guitar, drums, lead singer, keyboardist, bass. So you, you've got the, the 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 key elements all coming in, just like it was back in the '60s, where it was guitar leads uh, mixed in with with higher pitched solos and and things like that. Yeah. Yep. So what 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 else do we have here? And I think this is a really good. Um, I like to use this uh, Echo Smith. They should be in the pop category. They should be. I, I feel like you know their song uh, "Over My Head" and they had. Um, the Cool Kids was another one. Very hot on the alternative rock stations, but yet very, very, very poppy, mm-hmm. you know? And they're a brother-sister group, so they have uh, two brothers and a sister. Um, they had a fourth one, but unfortunately, I think he left. Uh, very cool group. I mean, obviously, um, Sydney and the gang are awesome. They they have a great sound. They know how to wake up a bunch. But v- again, alternative bringing in pop. So it's 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 pretty cool how how it's kind of come uh, full circle to that, right? It almost seemed like it went to this dark grunge, really hard rocking, different, way different sound, and then it kind of mellowed out again. There's the ebb and the flow, and then it came back up and it started peeking out with some, uh, you know, again some more emo and a little bit more of a you know that rocking vibe again, and then it kind of slowed down and then it peaked really quick, and then all of a sudden this yep. change and like six or eight different genres of alternative subgenres came up. And, you know, as I read earlier in our definition of alternative, you know, there's a ton of these subcategories of alternative music, you know, so we have adult, you know, adult contemporary alternative, we have alternative pro- um, pop, 
electronic alternative. We have alternative rock, alternative grunge, emo, industrial. Uh, I mean, the list could keep going on. And it just depends on who you're listening to. And, you know, my, my wife said at one point, you know, I think we found a new definition of alternative music. If you don't know what the genre is, <laughs> it's alternative. It's my favorite way of saying it. It's everything from Metallica to, to New Kids on the Block or Boys to Men. I like, I really do like that. I actually do like that. What's alternative? It's everything in between there. It's everything in between there, man. It's, uh, it's pretty amazing. Now, one of the things that I really want to kind of close out our discussion with is discussing how it has come full circle. So look at how some, you know, alternative music started with these independent artists and they were underground and they weren't represented or they weren't kind of like, you know, uh, holding hands with, as some would refer to as the man or the the, the big guy with the millions and billions of dollar signs in their eyes and, mm-hmm. and all that stuff. So we see some bands actually coming full circle and creating their own labels or remaining independent themselves and we were talking about it blue october is a really good example of that yeah coming through and making that heyday and coming out when grunge was peaking but now has come full circle and now they're recording new albums under their own independent label smashing pumpkins you uh i think you were doing some research on that looking into that um might be something i've come a little bit further but you know smashing pumpkins peaked again during that grunge era right after or the area of uh nirvana um the band itself is not fully together but billy corgan is now out with his own record label um still doing smashing pumpkins uh, i think he calls it their project yeah i think that there so are some other with him. bands uh garbage was a good one right wisconsin born and raised out of madison you got the influences of uh, butch fig who produced nirvana um where they started on their own independent label uh made it big in their later cds went on hiatus for about five years um but now they're back recording under their own uh, label out in california see i think that's another good example of bringing it back to their roots of remaining independent and kind of bringing it now of course you know you've got the success you can continue your dream by helping other artists and producing and you know um blue october is independent right now they have their own recording studio and production company, but literally no no record company, right? And you've got them starting and helping other bands. You know, Matt Noveski, the bassist, owner-operator and producer of Orb Studios. And he's helping other young artists kind of – he's producing their albums and records and getting them out there. And I, I just think that that's so cool. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. use that success – bringing it back to the roots of what alternative music is all about. And that's being independent for the love of the music and everything else like that. I mean, use the mainstream. Absolutely. We want to hear the music. We absolutely want to be part of it. We want to enjoy the journey with you. And I will tell you, if you are a young artist out there and you are listening to this, we want to talk to you guys because we want to know how your journey has been. We want to know what it's been like for you, where you see yourself, what do you aspire to? Who are your influences? You guys can get in touch with us uh, at any time. Get in touch with us at altaffairspodcast at gmail.com. Again, that's altaffairspodcast at gmail.com. We want to hear from you. We love uh, obviously getting in touch with local artists from our own areas. We love talking to obviously new up and coming artists that may be opening for bands that hopefully one day people are opening up for you. So uh, let's have a conversation. Let's talk about things. We want to hear your influences. We want to see how you think alternative music has evolved. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much for subscribing and listening to alternative affairs episode one. It's pretty much in the books, man. Thanks a lot, Sam. Thank you, Jay. Sounds great. No, man. Great discussion. Good topic. I think it's awesome to hear that. I think our listeners are definitely jiving with us. And, you know, I, I just keep seeing the, you know, the top charts just fluctuate constantly with different styles of alternative music. And I'm loving it right now. It's a great time to love alternative music. And I, and I think we're we're kicking this podcast out at just the right time, and uh, it's really good to have the history. So what's next on Alternative Affairs, right? So we're going to have several episodes that are ready. They should be posted by now if you're hearing this. Uh, so check us out. Check out other episodes. we got a great episode, great interview with Missio, Iron Tom, 
Um, we've even got a kid cast that I did with uh, my daughter and my niece talking about the generations, generational gap and how it's changed. And that's super exciting as well. And I'm really happy that we're able to bring this to you guys and and my good friend Sam for joining me. I'm sure we'll hear from you again. I'll definitely want you on the show again. For sure, for sure. So one of the things that we really were talking about, you and I doing, was more of a like history, um, mm. p- p- pulling a band in and actually talking about the history of that band and 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 the influences that they've been under. So kind of div- digging a little bit deeper into what we were talking about here today. Correct. Yeah, yeah. Trying to do a showcase or one episode on a particular band, um, potentially starting further back in the generations. We do have that foundation of what alternative music is, seeing where their influences came from, um, and then working our way up to what we're showcasing for the current generation. All right, everybody. Thank you all so much again for listening to Alternative Affairs. You guys keep it real. Keep evolving. Keep rocking. Alternative Affairs is made possible by member listeners just like you. Want to get involved with our show? Become a member today by going to patreon.com slash altaffairspodcast. $1, $2, $5. It really doesn't matter. Become part of the family today and help keep the mics hot and the content flowing. You'll get awesome exclusive content like outtakes and articles, discounts on merchandise, early access to full feature episodes, and you can even co-produce a full feature episode with yours truly. Alternative Affairs is brought to you by Triple Crest Productions. Music by Toxic Cities, writing by yours truly, Jason Curtis. I'd like to give a special thank you to our premier member, Amber Wright, for her support. Thank you so much for being a part of the Alternative Affairs family. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and make sure that you use the hashtag AltAffairs on all of your fan experiences and stories. You may just get a shout-out right here on the show. Have an idea or comment for the show, or if you know a business that wants to get involved with us, you could send us an email at altaffairspodcast at gmail.com. Until next time, I'm your host, Jason, and you're listening to Alternative Affairs. <laughs>